0: We are, I'm going to talk to you about the unrighteous man, as described in our Bible. Romans chapter 1, I could be describing any one of you. I would pretty well say most everyone, can't talk about absolutely everyone because I don't know them all, but most everyone in Hollywood is unrighteous. I'd say most everyone that that has been in, uh, you know, the doll and... Uh, the shenan for any long time they may have gone there in with with great desire and, and great intentions but they sure end up unrighteous but I'm not not, not talk about them I'm going to talk about mankind because the Bible talks about mankind as a group and it says that we are ungodly so we're um, and it's really it's it's what people are like when they try to live without God So as I said, we're going through the book of Romans verse by verse, and we're in a portion of Scripture that is describing, we went through it last week, the downward trend of the human race away from God and the consequences for it. There are consequences for walking away from God. We have learned so far that people have no excuse when they reject God. If if somebody just says, I don't believe in God, it's not because they don't know God. It's not because they don't understand Him really, it's because they don't like Him. You know, the ultimate racists are, are, are people who hate God because they just don't like Him, and I don't think that's the right thing. People have no excuse for rejecting God. They know Him. In their heart of hearts, their conscience, they know there's a God, and they reject Him. And they refuse to honor Him as God. By nature, people are unthankful. It's just, it, you, we by nature, I mean, it has to be taught, and we have to be conditioned to become thankful because we're unthankful we read as we've gone through these verses that people when you start to walk away from god he's light and when you walk away from god you only become darker and darker and darker and foolish somebody says well he's acting the fool yeah because he's he thinks he's his own god he or she thinks they can do live without god they become more and more unnatural And we looked at romans chapter one where it talks about things and people what they love and who they love that are unnatural and that's what happens the further you get away from God. Our world is not a progressive world, it's a digressive world. It is a world that has fallen deeper and deeper. So when people say that they are, they are in love and yet they're in love with the same sex or when they're trying to uh, promote uh, same-sex marriage and, and love anything and anyone you want, it has gone away from God's plan and God's pattern. And it is unnatural. And we've looked at that. That's not my opinion, that's God and people end up broken and the word is reprobate both in their minds and in their hearts and if you'll read down to verse 28 it says this and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge Romans 1:29 God gave them over to a reprobate mind he just let them go to do those things which are not convenient last first part of verse 29 being filled with all unrighteousness and they end up being full of every sin Now, if I left my front door open, or if I left a window open all the time, you know what would happen if I left the house for a week? What would my house be like? It'd be full of cats, bugs, birds. I don't know what would end up. When you don't protect what goes into your house, things get in there, amen. And when there's no restraint, when there's no morality, when there's no light and no walk with God, and some of you Christians wondering how come you're still struggling with sin, it's because you're living in darkness, You're playing with sin, you're not walking in the light. You walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You reject the spirit and you walk in the flesh, you will find yourself inhabited and infested with every dark spiritual thought and stuff. And Christians say, am I even saved? So you'll end up full of sin, being filled with all unrighteousness. Therefore, as I said, rejecting uh, God has consequences. There's no neutral space. There's no fence for us to walk on. Man without God is not a good thing. Ask the Chinese after Mao Zedong took, took control back in 1938. 30 million of them were slaughtered. Ask the Georgians in southern Russia what it was like when Stalin took over in the 1930s, how 30 million of them were slaughtered. Ask the Jews and the Polish if man without God is a good thing. When Hitler took over in 1939, what was the result? These are examples of what educated men do when they get absolute power and live without God. So your heart, your mind, your life will always seek to be filled with something. That's how we're designed. And it'll either get filled with the spirit of God or the spirit of this world. You can leave Romans for just a moment. Hold your place here and go to the right. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Our first cross reference, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. I am so glad the kids are in church with us today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians 2 12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of what? Okay, so this world has a spirit. It says, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of who? It's God's spirit. That we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. What a promise to the Christian. We have had the destructive spirit of this world before, and God replaced it with the spirit of his son. Isn't that good? I'm glad for a swap. When somebody swaps out my rubbish and he gives me priceless life, gives me eternal life, I give him my sin and he gives me forgiveness. So I used to be under the spirit of this world, and I swapped it out, and he put in me the spirit of God, replaced it, so that I would know all the things that God has freely given me. I mean, free. So, go to Romans chapter 1, and verse 28, and I want you to see that we need to know what is right and what is wrong. 1.28 read this again it says even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge didn't like him didn't want to think about him didn't want to obey him God gave them over to a reprobate mind to those things to do those things which are inconvenient that means things that are wrong now what we're about to read in the next verses we're going verse by verse we're gonna read about things that are wrong things that are not convenient they are sinful I know it's gonna be negative but it's necessary to hear the negative Because this is God's words to mankind and is needful. If the gospel is to be appreciated, if I'm going to appreciate the cure, I need to know just how sick I am in my heart and in my life. So as we go through these scriptures, consider where you're headed and what your life is full of and know that you don't have to stay that way. Isn't that the good news? You see, what we're going to look at is what everyone in this room, there's one of these things... Any one of these things, if not more of them, you're struggling with. And wouldn't you like to know that you can be free from their dominion? Wouldn't you like that no matter how much stuff you've messed up in the past, your future is settled and secure and it's good? So we're going to look at a sin list. I'm just going to read verse 29 to verse 32, and then we're going to go back and have a Bible dictionary time for a little bit. Verse 29, he goes on and he says this, Being filled with all unrighteousness, and he lists them fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Remember, the wages of sin is death. Not only do they do those same things, but they have pleasure in them that do them. So the Apostle Paul gives us 20, a list of 22 sins that are openly enjoyed back 2,000 years ago in Rome, in modern Turkey, all over the Roman Empire, all over the world. These are 22 sins that were enjoyed. And by the way, they're still enjoyed today. These are sins that were unrighteous, ungodly, they were not good, they were wrong to do, and wrong to think and feel. And they're st- still ungodly, not good to do, wrong to think and to feel. It's funny how the world comes along and, s- and some of these sins have been renamed. No longer is it drunkenness, it's called pub night. It's called, oh, it's diminished responsibility. No longer is it sodomy, it's a different lifestyle. You see, when the Bible says words, it means it. we better take a moment and look at it and go, wow, I wonder if that's in my life. So what we're about to read are the subjects of almost every newspaper you pick up today. And every modern TV program and every modern book and novel is just filled with these things. People don't read it and don't watch it. Well, talk about generally unless it's got these things in it and it just bothers me and I hope it bothers you what we're about to, to list are things that fill the lives of people who reject God um, the Bible has many lists first of them we know is called the Ten Commandments but you know the Ten Commandments things that you should do things you shouldn't do it's a it's a balance but go to 2nd Timothy we're gonna go look at some scriptures we'll come back to Romans chapter 1 in just a moment I want to show you that lists like this are throughout your Bible mainly in the New Testament 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 5 2nd Timothy 3 1 to 5 2nd Timothy 3 this know also that in the 21st century In the last days, perilous times shall come, dangerous times. For men shall, watch the list, men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetousness, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, which means out of control, fierce, despisers of those that are good traitors heady high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God go to Mark chapter 7 back to the left Gospel of Mark chapter 7 the disciples are eating some corn in their hands uh, corn kernels in their hands and they have washed their hands and so the Pharisees get all freaked out and they says, you're sinning. And Jesus says, no, they're not. Not Dirty hands don't make you a sinner. Dirty hearts make you a sinner. Look at uh, Mark chapter 7 and verse 21. Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Are you with me? For from within, out of the hearts of men proceed Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile the man. Go to Galatians now. One more. Galatians chapter 5. We'll get back to Romans in a moment. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh, 519. This is what my flesh does by nature. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. There they are, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. That's That's a kind of lust. Verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Variants, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in a long time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. No wonder people don't like the Bible, because it, it it exposes us. It tells us what we're like. But I want to look at this sin list because. Words have meaning, and when we read through some things, like you just did, do you, even, do you even ponder what these words mean? So go back to Romans chapter 1, and let's look at these and see if we know what they mean. Give you a bit of a Bible dictionary. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness. We start off with that one word, which is the main sin of today. It's the word of fornication. Folks, fornication is not adultery. Fornication is all forms of sex outside of marriage. Anything. It just means somebody who just lives for sex, sex and more sex, whether it's homosexual acts or heterosexual acts, whether it's porn or real. This is the lifestyle of just about every 20-something around the world today, is fornication. Mankind has not evolved. As a matter of fact, history proved we've only gotten worse. We're not more moral today. We're not more compassionate. They have to make more and more laws because our nature is getting darker and darker. Our world is a fornicating society. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. No wonder the Bible says in 1 Corinthians six eighteen, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth without the body is without the body. Every sin I do if I steal is on the outside of the body. But when you commit fornication, you're sinning against your body. You think, oh, well, it doesn't hurt anybody. No, it hurts you. By the way, you know, if you want to have a relationship, you want to have something called sex, the Bible says, get married. That used to be the requirement. 1 Corinthians 7.2 says, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, there we are, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. That'll take care of a lot of problems in our society if we got back to prioritizing marriage and you started getting ready for it. Fornication is a pretty big uh, sin, Seems to be the sin of the modern world today. Secondly, he uses the next word, wickedness. Back there in Romans chapter 1, verse 29, he says, filled with wickedness. Wicked means evil. Now, I heard somebody says, well, she's wicked smart. <laughs> I'd never heard that before. <laughs> He's wicked fast. I hear kind of things, and I go, I'm not so sure you want to use that word. <laughs> it means evil, lewd, bad. I mean, what do we call her? Not Dorothy. <laughs> I mean, she was called the Wicked Witch of the West for a reason. Go to Genesis. I gotta. I can quote these things, but I need you to see. Hold your place in Romans. Go to Genesis chapter 6. First book in your Bible. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Oop. Genesis 6, 5 says this. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now you know why the flood came, why God had to start over the world because men had had immense amount of wickedness and their thoughts were only evil continually. That was the nature. Now, that wasn't only then. Look in chapter 13 after the flood. Genesis 13 verse 12. Genesis thirteen twelve. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. And pitched his tent towards where his tent towards where. Towards Sodom, verse thirteen. But the men of Sodom were what. And sinners before the Lord exceedingly. That word wicked is not a good word. And yet people are filled with wickedness. Like I said before, you may be having dinner with somebody, or having lunch, or just talking to them, you would not want to know what's been in their head for the last 30 minutes or an hour before you met them. What goes on inside of these heads is not right. Human nature is wicked. He goes on and he uses another word, which is also modern sin, which is covetousness. Now covetousness means you just constantly want stuff. You're greedy. You're never happy unless you're getting things constantly, like most children and most young adults are spoiled brats they 'cause they're just—they've got stuff and they're not happy with what they've got. I just tell you a stupid story. When I was a kid, uh, you know, just you know, spoiled. Until you went to grandma's house, my grandma's house, my grandma didn't spoil. They had a box in the closet of ancient toys. These toys were wood toys and metal cups and and uh, spoons and a and a wit you know a whisk you had to turn so stuff from the dark ages i don't know how old they were and there were some blocks and stuff and when we went to grandma and grandpa's house they pulled out that box and they set it down and we were in heaven it's because that's all we had to play with (laughs) when we were at grandma's house amen but some of you are so worried about oh i got to get something else for my grandchildren i've got to keep them happy no you don't because we've created a generation that are covetous. They, they see something. I mean, look at advertising. How do, what keeps Amazon running? Amazon, uh, advertising. What is Facebook? What do they make their money on? Advertisements. And what does that feed on? Our covetousness. I didn't know I needed a new phone. I didn't know I needed a new house. I didn't know I needed a new hairstyle. Except Facebook told me. Covetousness. It is a sin. There was a king named Ahab who lived in Solomon's palace. And next door to him was a small garden um, owned by a guy uh, uh, that that was a nobody. And this garden, Ahab would look out there and smell these beautiful herbs. And he says, I want that garden. He had everything, but he had to have that garden. And his wife, Jezebel, heard him crying on his bed one day. There's a grown man, a king, crying, (laughs) I want that garden and that man won't give me that garden and Jezebel says I'll get it for you and she has that man I can't remember his name all of a sudden um, stoned and killed by raising a false report about him and lying about him and the people stoned him and then she comes and says the garden is yours and oh he's so happy now because he's covetous by the way it is the tenth commandment did you know that thou shalt not covet then he comes along in the next word there Maliciousness. Now, that is an angry, bitter attitude towards people that you hate. It's an attitude that seeks revenge and to hurt other people who've hurt you. We say, oh, he's, he, he, he did something with malice, which means with, a, with intent to hurt. Somebody says, well, it's just the way that I am. No, it's sin and it needs to be repented of and replaced. If you have a bad attitude that just wants to hurt somebody bad, revenge comes from a heart that's filled with maliciousness, filled with it. I I I don't like to watch the news and what people are doing to one another. I heard of a bus ride with some nine a 9-year-old girl literally beaten by some kids who began to punch and punch and punch. I don't know what she said. I don't know what she did. But these guys, little kids, beating each other up. We're not evolving. We're not getting any better. There is anger in people. There is a bitterness. And and it's creeped into church. And then he uses a word down there, uh, 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 um, in, well, in the middle of verse twenty-nine, full of envy. Envy is when someone's never satisfied or content or able to be happy if someone's better off than them. Envy is when you see someone else happier or more successful and you become depressed. You need to be worried about that because that's a sin. The politics this day uses people's envy to split us against each other, hating those who have a job, hating those that have money. We begin to hate people who are a little more successful than us, and that is done by politicians in order to get you to vote for them so they help you get your own job, make your own money. Don't you dare be worried about what somebody else gets. Get your own life. This envy is killing us. If somebody else gets a new car, Praise them. Thank God that they got that car. Don't sit there and go, stinking, they don't deserve that car. <laughs> no, they don't. And neither do you. But they got it. Maybe you'll get yours in your time. Envy's killing us. Then he uses another. See, you say, well, I don't have those problems. Oh, okay. Let's keep going. How about the word murder? You see that word, verse 29? Full of envy. Murder. Do I have to define that word? I think today we're full of murder still. When you take another person's life from them, normal people don't accept murder as a normal way you live unless you're taking the life of an innocent baby in a womb. Isn't it funny how murder is still a part of the lifestyle of people today? You don't ever find it wrong that we watch thousands of murders on TV every year and we think nothing of it. It's part of our modern entertainment. That's not entertainment. How many actual murders have we become used to in our society? When Nita and I moved here to Ireland in 1994, I think there was one murder within a space of about three years. I think we've evolved, amen? We're not getting better. Full of murder. And really, all that is is, again, we've got this is the result of people who turn their back on God and live without God, and that's the fruit of it. How about debate? Now, when he says debate there, full of debate there in verse 29, he's not talking about disagreeing. I love a good debate. He's not talking about questioning to better understand something, because that's okay. But the sin of debate is where you just argue for arguing's sake. It's a sin, it's a wrong to just argue. Arguing is when you attempt to justify your actions when you're told you've been done something wrong. Like when you're pulled over by the guarda. I, I was not speeding. <laughs> I did have my belt on, and you just, you're just in a debate with them instead of saying, you're right. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to hide it. You're right. You were using your phone. No, I wasn't. <laughs> debate. You know, when you're reading the Bible and something jumps out at you and says, that's you, led better. don't debate. Go, yes, Lord. The worst thing that's ever happened is I have a room full of people who when I'm reading about your sin and you go, I'm not listening, la 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 la, I don't agree and I don't like him and he's going on too long. That's debate and it's sin. And then deceit, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit. It's, folks, do you believe that it's wrong to lie until you need to, right? Deceit is to live a life that's not real. I find most people are fake. They live a lie. They're deceivers. They lie on their application forms. They lie to their friends, to their family. Where were you? Oh, I was, I was down at the library. <laughs> what a lame way. To, uh, it just, we lie as a way of life, human race. And lying doesn't bother people. So many people may be nice, clean living people but they're liars and how would you like to live a life full of lies and you don't even think about it anymore you don't even you don't even care that you just say a lie you never tell the truth that ought to terrify you uses another old word malignity that's a good old word malignity is to speak evil about everything malicious is the word we would use it's used Usually with cancers today where you say it's a malignant cancer. You ever heard that phrase? A malignant cancer means it's an aggressive cancer. Well, when it talks about people who are malignant, it means where you are hypercritical, where you have a destructive spirit. When you think of somebody, you tear them down. You 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 just you're destructive in how you speak of them, in how you talk of them, how you interact with them malignity it's somebody who only sees faults and by the way that's a sin to be caught up with other people's sins then he says another word whispers again that's a good old word it means a gossiper a tale bearer so when people talk about you behind your back that's why they have to whisper don't let don't let Weston know that I know it's a sin to gossip would you agree And yet people love reading about what went on in the Windsor family. I mean, they keep writing books about what it was like to be growing up in royalty. People love to find out dirt on other people. Folks, I want to tell you, we are way too involved in everyone else's business. Go to 2 Thessalonians. Hold your place in your Romans. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Almost to Hebrews, you'll find 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 11. Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, disorderly we mean out of order, just doing their own thing. Working, not at all. They don't have a job, They're not, they're not, at, a, they're not at work, but are what? What's the word? They're busybodies. They're busy in other people's business. Now, them which are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness, they work and eat their own bread. Have your own life. Don't worry about what other people are doing. You got enough to deal with on your own plate. Whisperers are stuck in, in making themselves feel better by noticing the problems in other people and talking about them. How'd you like to have a church full of whispers? That'd be bad. And yet that's society. Oh, we go on. It gets worse. The next word there in verse 30 says backbiters. It's like it's like a whisperer, but worse. People, a backbiter is somebody who's nice towards your face, behind your back they bite and they tear at you. Like a backstabber, kindly, kindly kinda. It is a sin when you hold a grudge against somebody and you just don't go and talk to them And you don't just say, Hey, look, what you said hurt me when you when you on the back say that person hurt me that's a backbiter you can't say it to their face you can't talk to them and so that becomes a sin christians gotta learn to talk together listen to each other respect each other don't be somebody who holds a grudge then he goes on he says backbiters and then haters of god nobody thinks this is a sin but people hate god like I said, that's the ultimate racist. If I said, I hate Asian people, I heard some gasps. (laughs) I just hate them. If I said that, if I really believed it, then you'd go, what a racist. But if I said, oh, I hate God. Oh, what a free thinker. (laughs) Isn't that weird? Haters of God. You know, when you start to walk away from God, God doesn't... You will cool off. The most, the most important thing you need to do is when the Lord is trying to draw you close to him is for you to surrender and says, You win, Lord, because the further away you get, the harder you get, and the harder it is for you to not hate the one who loved you and died for you. That's the natural reaction of living without God. So in this generation, the 21st century, what we have is we have countless hundreds of millions of people who are not just living their own lives, but if you ever talk to them about God, what do they do? I don't want to talk about God. They hate God. Where are they? Absorbed in that sin. It has taken over, hadn't it? You just point out, you know, Christmas is about Jesus. What? (laughs) Haters of God. Then it goes on, verse 30. Haters of God, despiteful. Means full of spite, not spike, spike, sprite. But spite. Despiteful means they have, you have an abusive attitude towards other people. It is an awful way that, that people treat other people rudely, crudely, mean, fierce, harsh. Here's the modern word for it bullying. That's despiteful. Try to talk to somebody, and it just brings up all. they just all this stuff comes out of them. and just angry people. He goes on, and since I'm skipping, i will come back to it. Boasters should be in reverse, but a boaster is a bragger who tells everyone what they did and how great and good they are, and no one likes a bragger, do we? And yet, that's what Facebook is all about. Look what I'm eating today. Instagram is food. You ever notice that? Look at the meal I prepared. Look at what I'm drinking. Look at who I'm with. Look at what I get to do. Look at me, look at me, look at me. They're boasting. Then you get the proud. People used to be proud when they measured themselves by their accomplishments and their integrity, and that was risky enough. But now people are proud of their sins. Hence, pride Parades. Hence the word queer. Queer is not a good word, folks. And to be proud of being queer is not a good thing. The proud are arrogant, haughty, obsessed with themselves, seeing as everyone as below them, wanting everybody to notice them, just like the devil. Pride is a sin and it is deep in Christianity. We were not saved to be proud. and It shows by how little we serve and how little we love one another. These are the sins. Paul says, this is the life of those who have walked away from God, who have no interest in God. They reject Him in their mind and in their heart, and their life becomes full of these things. Uh, every one of us are struggling with some of these but when your life is full of it, is that how you want to live? Inventors of evil things? I, I really, I read the biography uh, of uh, um, Albert Einstein, and Albert Einstein said he had a few regrets, and one of them was discovering the nature of the atom and helping them create the atomic bomb. He regretted that, because he created an evil thing, would you agree? You got to think, people who, you know, there's every one good thing that Steve Jobs invented when he invented the smartphone. There's 500 evil things that have come out out because of the smartphone. Amen. There are. This is not a world like it used to be in the 1700s, 1800s, early 1900s. Everybody wanted to invent things that made life better. Now it's evil. It's ways that that are beyond words majority of games you can eat a board game you go into a section it's all they're all adult games they're board games and they're only adults and you go what is going on then he hits a book then oh here we go you're listening kids Paul's about to talk to you you ready disobedient to parents oh no can we skip this one (laughs) (laughs) right there verse 30 inventors evil things disobedient appearance the most fundamental unit of society is not the government did you hear me the most fundamental unit of society is not the church the one part of society that works and makes a society is the home And in the family unit, there must be respect, trust, and obedience. I know that's a dirty word for most people because maybe it was abused when you were a kid. But let me tell you, disobedient to parents is in a list with murder. It's in a list with envy. I know most parents are no longer trustworthy and kids no longer grow up trusting anybody. I have never seen such disrespect in kids when a guard talks to them. They just are... Disrespectful to the guards, disrespectful to the teachers. Where they start? They started at home. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you know where kids' disobedience comes from? The movies they watch. And secondly, from the attitude of the parents. It is wrong to disobey your parents. Can you nod your head? It is wrong. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to do it this way. No. As <laughs> an opposite, it is wrong to disobey your parents, but it's true. You can discuss, you can disagree, but you cannot disobey. I know that's not what you want to hear. I know you want me to preach that your flawed parents, they need, to be, they, need, they need to be rebuked. They need to be better parents, and they do. But God asks you to do what you're supposed to do, and I believe God will get them to do what they're supposed to do. He says, secondly, next day there in verse 31, without understanding... Would you agree we live in a society that has all the knowledge at their fingertips, all the information, but they have no understanding of what they have? People read headlines and they think they understand the the depth of some subject. They have no wisdom. And it has resulted in no one actually seeking to learn and know about anything. Everybody watches a YouTube and they think they know all there is. Some conspiracy theory, they know all there is. Some, some report, they know all there is. 30 minutes does not make you a scholar. People either trust the government or they trust their YouTube sources. And no one actually is interested in doing any actual research themselves. They don't even know how. They live without understanding. What do they live for? They live for excitement and action instead of truth and principle. They don't know how to critically think or question things and actually learn knowledge, and they don't care. That's the society. When you're giving somebody the gospel, you're dealing with somebody who just doesn't care. Wherever you go when you die, I don't care. Because they were without, if they knew that they had a soul, if they knew there was all holy God who knew them through and through, if they knew that the moment they die, they will either be present with the Lord or in hell, if they had understanding, they would say, Please, can I have that track? Covenant breakers. He goes on and he says, Verse 31 without understanding and then covenant breakers. This is so evil people don't keep their promises anymore whether it's in marriage or friendships they break their covenants and divorce is the norm what is that saying in the in the wedding vow for better or for I know the part till death do us part is the easy part because you can always find a way to poison him but there's another part in the vow that says for better or for worse covenant breakers you, make an agree- you get an agreement, you get hired, and there's a 30-page fine print document you have to sign. You sign up for some app, and it gets 30 pages of fine print agreement you have to have because they know you're going to try to weasel around this agreement. People are by nature covenant breakers, but especially when they are without God. You know what they used to do? And this is a long time ago. The Methodists were well known for being promise keepers. And if you are a Methodist, and you went, it was true with some Baptists, you went to the bank, and if you were a member in good standing at a church, they'd give you a loan for a house. You would keep your promise. Who can you, who can you trust? Back old times, man, people who were in in, in, a, in a type of lifestyle that was godly, people says I can trust you with a loan. Covenant breakers, however, man, Without natural affection, we don't even, um, without natural affection, we talk about this, love is now spelled L-U-S-T. It's people loving things that are unnatural. Without natural affection, implacable. That word implacable is a good old word. It just simply means stubborn and inflexible, like your mule there. We wonder why people refuse to get saved, why people refuse to work out their problems in their marriage, why people refuse. They're implacable. They're unresponsive. They're, they're hard. And then the last one, isn't that an interesting word? The last one there in verse 31, unmerciful. What a way to end a list. When someone is unmerciful, it means that they have no mercy on other guilty people. We all are kind to those who are kind to us, but how do you treat those who are not kind to you? Mercy is when you are kind to people who have been unkind to you. You Ever seen somebody freak out when somebody else just tips their car in a parking lot? Mercy is showing kindness to someone who does not deserve it. Amen. And our generation, our world is un... We have not evolved. We haven't gone any better, have we? And then to top it all off, look at verse 32. Who knowing the judgment of God in their heart, that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. That's why people watch TV at night. They love to watch other people get into bed with another man's wife. They love to watch other people murder. They love to watch a kid on TV tell his parents off. That is their pleasure. They enjoy other people sinning. Let me give you some truths about this list and we'll be done. First of all, at least one of those sins is active in every person's life while you're alive. That's obviously. Nobody's going to escape that list. That describes human nature without God. Now, maybe you might slip by, well, I've never murdered anybody. But you can't slip by never committing envy or covetousness or disobedient to parents or pride. James 2.10 says, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So at least one thing in that list is active in your and my life, and you better be aware of it. Just like if there was a cancer, you'd want to take care of it, wouldn't you? Secondly, half of those sins were attitudes. Did you notice? It is wrong to steal. It is also wrong to have an attitude of maliciousness, malice, towards somebody. It is wrong... To, to, ha- to commit the sin of fornication but it is also wrong to hate God to be proud to be boasters just, just because you don't do some sins doesn't mean that you're not sinning or you're not struggling with sin in your heart of hearts third this is not a complete list huh. only 22 sins were listed I don't think mankind will ever exhaust new sins to commit new things to come up with that are just crazy wrong This is the lifestyle of those who do not fear God. Did you know all sin, as we watch, all of those sins are progressive and deadly. The more you mess with, well, I don't care if it's bitterness. You know what happens when you get bitter? You only get more. You start messing with with covetousness. You can't stop. It's like Pringles. You just can't these things are progressive they suck you more into it and then they take over you become filled with it that's why the bible says i've got to get saved and i've got to be filled with the spirit of god and it ends in death now the truth is this we were not designed to live that way with that list no man was designed to live that way all of us struggle with it because we're born with this stupid adamic nature that we inherit it's like our genes maybe have a defect from our parents but my soul has a defect all the way back from adam and i struggle against these things but that is not how i should live these are what jesus christ was punished for so that we could be forgiven and free you see when paul gives that list he's given a contrast to the good news of the gospel he says you receive the gospel, or that's how you end up living. That's why we teach kids the gospel at a young age, so they don't actually end up making the same stupid mistakes we made and had to get out of. Aren't you glad that God amazingly has made a way for wicked men to repent? Because the truth is, none of those things, I don't care if you're struggling with, I mean, a list of fornication and covetousness and wickedness and envy and murder and debating and lying you don't need therapy you know what you need repentance it's what you need so how do you get that It comes by a humble cry to God a deep sorrow and surrender to the power of God to forgive you so would you go to 2nd Corinthians chapter 13 and we'll be finished 2nd Corinthians chapter 13 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Examine yourselves. Take a good look at your own life, your own... Man, if you, don't even see, if you don't see things wrong in you, ask your wife. Ask your kids, ask your boss, ask your co-workers. Ask somebody who will tell you the truth. The Bible says examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Find out if you've even got the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. And I hope that's not how you want to live because all of that list is a person filled with those things instead of filled with the Spirit of God. So what do you do? Turn back to God. You see, the best news I ever had as a 17-year-old kid was that God wanted me and that I couldn't do anything to get saved. I was going the wrong direction. I had ignored God, mocked God, and all I had to do was turn back to him and say, I'm sorry. I've been a fool, and I want to be saved. In that just simple act of repentant faith, God came to me. I didn't have to reach toward heaven. He came into my life. Christ is in me now because I finally surrendered and said, I don't want to fight you anymore. I just want to I just want to follow you. I'm tired of my life. I want to live yours. It takes the humble heart. It takes you looking at that list and saying, that's me, and that's me, and that's me, and I don't want any of the rest of them getting in my life. I want to be free. I want to live victorious over every sin that comes into my life and tries to take hold. And dear Christian, I may be quite plain with you. Don't think you're not going to struggle with those things. And you've got to be very careful your life doesn't become absorbed by some of those things because just as bitterness fills up the world, it fills up a Christian's heart too. You start to mess with porn Christian, you'll become vile. This Bible is right there written for us so that we go, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Let's stand. Let's bow in prayer. As we bow our heads, I want you to think for a second, as Paul wrote this to the to Christians, really, but also to just anybody who would read it in Rome, as they read it, it wasn't just a list. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to pray in just a minute, but let me just say some things. When they read it, they were shocked. Because that's how the world really is. and It scared them. And it caused them to actually take a look at themselves and say I'm not going to sit in judgment of anybody else. I'm going to examine my own heart. I'm going to find out am I really saved? I'm going to actually find out am I, am I far away from God or am I close? What direction is my face? What direction is my heart? Am I seeking to know him or am I just tolerating him? Am I going my own way? Because it ought to scare you. that judgment is coming. That it does cost. There are consequences for living without God and not fearing God. And if you'd like to get saved, let me tell you, he's waiting to save you right now. I can't save you. The church can't save you. Nothing you do can save you. Just what Jesus Christ did, and he's waiting for you to ask him to save you now. So Lord, I ask, as we have our heads bowed, we start to look at the Bible a little bit differently and go, you know what, those lists are important. And those words have meaning. And some of them actually... I'm struggling with or I have struggled with and I'm ashamed. But if there's people saved in this room, we can shout and rejoice and say, I have been made free and I never want to go back to that. I want I want just to live for Jesus Christ. I want to walk in the Spirit instead of the Spirit of this world. I think it... Now I understand how serious it is that I read my Bible, I pray, I'm in church, I, I do the right things because when I live without God, that's the direction I'm headed. Into such sin and being full of it, I don't want to ever be there again. So Lord, please save somebody today and for every Christian, may we take it serious that yeah, there's still a struggle in my life but I have the victory and I'm staying my direction Following the one true Savior, I'm going to stay in my Bible and stay living the victory because of Jesus Christ. I don't want to go back now. In Jesus' name, amen. Grab your hymnal.